Ave Maria Purissima, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Of course, uh, Thanksgiving, it's a very important virtue that we should all practice. We remember in the Gospel, our Lord uh, healed the ten lepers, and only one came back to thank him. Our Lord looks for our thanks, for all the things he's poured down on us, and how much we have to thank him for. That he's brought us to life, and especially he's brought us to this faith, the faith without which is impossible to please him. We can never thank him sufficiently, even in all eternity, for all the things he's done for us. So we want to have that spirit today. It's a, it's a beautiful holiday in that sense. Uh, Taylor Marshall uh, has, a, has a website. He's one of my former parishioners in, uh, in Texas. He's a remarkable guy. Really, uh, he, he was an Anglican priest who discovered that he needed to become Catholic. So, you know, at great cost, obviously, with a family and all that, came over. And, uh, but he's got a website, and he's got some really good things, uh, facts about Thanksgiving that are interesting. He goes to different Thanksgivings that were here, but one of the things he talks about is the first Thanksgiving, the Puritan one. He has earlier ones in, in Texas and, and uh, Florida that he, that he mentions, but he, he points out that Squanto was a Catholic. The Puritans had come over here, but they're starving to death, and Squanto, uh, John Smith, had, had, had made him a slave, Franciscan friars bought him and, and released him, and then he, he got catechized by them, baptized. He worked in a shipyard in England for a while and came back so he spoke good English, and there they were starving out, so Squanto helped them out. They leave this part out of the history books for the most part. I know I, know I certainly, it was, it's uh, wonderful news to hear that sort of thing. So that's just a little bit of Catholic American history trivia. It's the Feast of St. Clement. St. Clement was just mentioned, we heard in our, our epistle from the Philippians, St. Paul mentioning St. Clement. He's the fourth pope. So you had Peter, Linus, some, Cletus, or sometimes called Anacletus and Clement. So he's a pope in the, in the latter part of the first century. Now he's got extant letters. He, he wrote to the Corinthians. The Corinthians started acting up again. You know, St. Paul had to write to him twice. There's all this chaos and things going on in Corinth. So St. Clement wrote a letter to him that later on was read almost as if it were an epistle from one of the apostles in the churches for years. Now what's significant about this is that at the time, Ephesus is real close to Corinth and St. John the Apostle was in Ephesus. And yet here's the bishop way over there in the West in Rome writing to a Greek church telling him, start minding your manners, behave. It's a great witness to the fact that the successor of Peter, the Pope, has an authority over all the churches. And it certainly takes nothing away from the authority of St. John the Apostle, but St. Clement had that authority. Even though he was an apostle, he was sitting on, in, on the chair of Peter, and so he wrote to Corinth and got things reordered. It's a great thing to note that they obeyed and all that. And people on all sides will recognize this. The Protestants and the Eastern Orthodox recognize that letter as being an authentic letter, and it's an important thing to remember. You can do that as, as a way of explaining. The Pope actually does have authority. Trajan rounded him up. He got sent to uh, the Crimea Peninsula. He was sent to a, a work camp, like a prison, where there's a couple thousand people working there, and they're mining. And uh, 
about two miles away or so is where the water is. They're about thirsty to death too, even when they're mining, and then they have to struggle over there to get water. So St. Clement's in this clamp. He prays to the Lord, and then he has a vision. He has a vision of, of a lamb standing on this hillside with his foot on a rock. So St. Clement goes up there, prays, and a spring uh, gushed forth. Well, that got everybody's attention, as you can well understand, and people became open to the faith, so he converted a lot of people baptized a lot of people whilst he's a prisoner. And as, as a reward for that, they sentenced him to death, tied an, an anchor to his neck, took him up, and dropped, their, dropped him in the sea. Well, sometime later, there was another miracle associated with it, because the sea rolled back, like on this tide that should never happen, a couple miles from the shore, and out there is a little marble mausoleum, a little one with St. Clement's body in a, in a, in a, in a, in a tomb, and the, the anchor sitting right there. That converted Burton here everybody else, of course. His relics, uh, so obviously the angels made that. His relics made their way to Rome because of St. Cyril and Methodius. When St. Cyril and Methodius came to the Crimean, of course, these are Greek uh, bishops, and they're sent out by the emperor. They, they're going out from Constantinople, and they're going out to the Slavs. Uh, they're the great apostles of the Slavs. And when St. Cyril and Methodius get to the Crimea, they get uh, St. Clement's relics, and they actually brought him back to Pope St. Nicholas. I don't remember if St. Nicholas died before they got there or not, but they brought him back at that time. So we're talking late 800s, probably 880s, something like that. And his relics are now in the Basilica of St. Clement there in Rome, ancient Rome Basilica. There's frescoes that have things like the mar little, what, what we're just talking about, the marble mausoleum. You can see the frescoes were with St. Clement's body. There's actually frescoes that they are contemporary with St. Cyril Methodius, Bringing, uh, bringing Clement to Rome and so forth. And uh, so there's a little tie there in too with the great, great uh, patriarchs of the East in that way. But uh, anyway, so St. Clement's relics are in Rome. St. Clement's is heaven. We should pray to him today. Pray to him to grow, increase the virtue of thanksgiving, that we really remember to thank God in all things, that we receive, really see his hand behind all things. We have a great... Uh, uh, virtue of thanksgiving. We should also pray to him for holiness in the church, that he intercedes, because the Lord knows we need it, especially in the hierarchy.